0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. A glorious and most blessed Easter to all of you. A famous Christian apologist, C.S. Lewis, once wrote, I am trying to prevent anyone from saying that really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, on the level with a man who thinks he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Thus far, Lewis, and he's right. You may take Jesus to be a lunatic, a liar, or the Lord, but you must make your choice. And so too, with the resurrection, Jesus either rose from the dead literally, physically, in his body, or he did not. You must make your choice. If you believe he is not risen, then your whole life will be shaped around that belief. You are still in your sins, and death will mean for you something very different than it means for the Christian. On the other hand, if you believe that he is risen, then this joyful news will begin shaping your entire life Jesus is risen, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is risen. There is now no more need to fear death. Jesus is risen. And you have been freed to perceive this life in a very different way. It was precisely the fact that Jesus is risen that transformed the fearful disciples of Jesus into fearless witnesses of Jesus proclaiming the forgiveness of sins in his name, proclaiming his death and resurrection to the entire world, enduring the attempts of government to shut their preaching down, enduring persecutions, beatings, imprisonments, and finally death, but never allowing the good news to be silenced. There's no room here for myth. The disciples were literally willing to die and literally did die rather than be silenced because they knew that Jesus was literally risen from the dead. What did they have to fear in persecution or death? Jesus is risen and they too shall rise. And thus their entire perception of death changed. And with it, their entire perception of this life a second-century man and a bishop of the early church, Ignatius of Antioch, was being taken to Rome to be martyred. On the way, he wrote to his fellow Christians in Rome, telling them to make no attempts to spare him from death. It is better for me to die with Christ, he wrote, than to be king over the ends of the earth. I seek him who died for our sake, I desire him who rose for us. Then Ignatius wrote something even more remarkable. Birth pangs are upon me. Suffer me, my brethren. Hinder me not from living. Do not wish me to die. Do not wish me to die. That is, do not wish me to escape martyrdom. Hinder me not from living, that is, hinder me not from being martyred. Birth pangs are upon me, that is, death has become birth. You can see how the normal way of thinking and speaking has been turned entirely upside down. To live in this life is to be in death, to die is to become truly alive. Death is not the end. Death is a birth to life. And thus with Ignatius, we can see what the scriptures mean when they call our Lord the firstborn from the dead. Death has become birth. The end has become the beginning. The resurrection of Jesus has changed everything. Perhaps the most stunning thing we've all witnessed this past year is the profound fear of death that grips the world. How even here in the land of the free, freedoms have instantly been handed over. And even here in the home of the brave, we've seen many turn into instant cowards. Why? At the mere possibility of death. But of course, if this life is all you have, if there is no resurrection, what else is there but fear? For the pagan, every passing second is one step closer to the end, to death. But for the Christian, every passing second is one step closer to the beginning, to birth. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And thus our perception of this life becomes radically altered. We can in fact come to see it as a kind of existence in utero. We are not yet born. St. Paul sees it in just this way. He writes, the whole creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth up to the very present. Then he likens the sufferings of this world as to birth pangs and as those being born to the sons of God. So too, the scriptures make a point of recording that after Jesus was crucified, his body was laid into a tomb that had never been used before. Just as he was born of a virgin womb, he would be born from a virgin tomb. And Saint Paul directly connects us to this virgin tomb. Do you not know, he writes, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism. Buried with him into that tomb that is a womb. He is the firstborn from the tomb, and in due time, we too shall be born. So paradoxically, to be born is to die, and to die is to be born. Every single person born into this world will die. I don't know about you, but I wasn't asked if I wanted to be born, and I'm certainly not going to be asked if I want to die. (laughs) To be born is as good as to be dead. So here's the key. You need to die before you die so that when you die, you won't die. (laughs) How on earth do you die before you die? Be buried with Jesus through holy baptism. If you have died with Jesus, if you are buried with Jesus through holy baptism, then you have been joined with him in the tomb that is the womb. And therefore, you will not die when you die. But as Ignatius said, you will be born. The difference between the baby in a womb and an adult is the difference between you right now and what you will be. What joy there is in Christ. And how silly are we with all of our desperation, our bucket lists, our worldly dreams, clinging to the rags of this life as if they were true riches, when the fact is, we're still in utero. We haven't even begun to truly live. We must first be born from the womb of death before we can even begin to experience all that God has in store. This is no myth, no mere analogy, or fuzzy religious thinking. If Jesus is literally risen, then death has literally become birth. And since death has become birth, we will truly be born new. We will truly be sinless. We will truly be immortal. Whoever lives and believes in me, our Lord says, will never die. Indeed. Because there is no more death for those who are in Christ Jesus. Death has become its opposite. And that's why the church has said for nearly 2,000 years that Christ destroyed death by death. And it's why, paradoxically, the crucifix remains the greatest symbol of the resurrection. It's not merely that our Lord dies and rises, leaving death intact. It's not merely that death has been undone, neutralized for the one who has faith in Jesus. No, it's that death has been completely reversed and transformed into its exact opposite. Death has become birth. Death has been destroyed by his death. Ignatius knew this. The disciples of Jesus knew this. C.S. Lewis and countless Christians throughout the ages have known this. It is the true secret of freedom and boldness, but also of profound peace and quiet but deepest joy. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, be still and know that death has become birth, that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, and that we too shall soon be born. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.